As I said, it's very good to be in the house of the Lord, and I, I know um, our family is all, uh, we wanted to spend a few days with Brother David Guy before he has to go back, and it's been <clears throat> bittersweet in so many senses. We wanted to take him and show him part of the country I had taken our girls to when they were much younger and, and uh, out in Montana and <clears throat> through uh, the Tetons and of course uh, Yellowstone, that area. And so we were blessed to be able to get away a few days and if you've ever been in that area, it's big, it's wide open, it's drive for hours and I feel like I've spent more time driving this week than anything else because you know the next nearest town is a hundred and something miles or, or the next stop is only 30 miles but it's 30 miles through the mountain it's two hours later or whatever and uh, <clears throat> but <clears throat> what a wide open space see the the majesty of God and I um, as I said, I listened to some of the messages and I realized that we are, rec we are uh, <clears throat> you know, embracing this sense of, as Brother Nick uh, said this morning, moving into the Holy of Holies and moving into a, uh, I hope, a deeper connection moving from 30-fold to 60-fold to 100-fold. And I could go back and made later, but I, I got to reading um, a very unusual prophet in the, in the Old Testament. And um, he wrote just a very short book. It's called, uh, the book is named after him. And yet it's a very unusual book. And, and the book is called Habakkuk. And uh, have you ever heard of Habakkuk? It's got a whopping three chapters. And when you read the book of Habakkuk, uh, it is unique in that it is, um, it is the only book that I, I, I can, uh, in my studies that I've found that it is not written to another person. It's not written to Israel. It's not written to anyone uh, else. It is written to God only. Habakkuk wrote three chapters. And I'll, I'll talk some about that as, as uh, we look this morning. And I, I won't be able to tear into Habakkuk at all. In fact, it, but it, when I read Habakkuk, it spurred my mind to thinking, and that's where this kind of came from. I'm glad we are growing apostolic legacy, and I'm going to preach this morning on giving God a hug. Amen. Giving God a hug. Now, I know, I, I understand <laughs> that I realized when I put that title down this morning, I thought, Lord, I, this may be the wrong approach. And so if it is, forgive me, I will plead a lack of sleep or something. 
because I, I realize that when you come to talking about hugging, it's one of those very difficult kinds of, of topics. Honey, don't go very far, because I'm going to use you. Come here a minute, just a moment. <laughs> so we're going to have uh, sermon participation. There, there's all kinds of, you know, this kind of sidearm hug. How, how are you doing? And then, then there's this little A-frame, you know. Uh, and, and, and then, you know, of course, you know, really a bear hug. We call those where we just, you know, embrace. Let me, let me show them. Ooh. And multiple variations of each of those kind of hugs. And they all sort of mean something different. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just kind of putting your hand. And I'm not, I am not here advocating that, and I know there are some people that go, oh, I'm a hugger, I just hug everybody, I hug, hug, hug. And I, I understand some people are more, uh, what we would, they would describe themselves as a hugger, and yet there are all kinds of hugs and embraces, and they all kind of have a, a different meaning. And I am not in any way advocating being inappropriate and hugging people and hugging them against their will. So don't go out of here today and say, Pastor said I need hugs and I need to give hugs and I'm not, that, that's not, I'm talking about giving God a hug. All right, everybody say giving God, giving God. a hug. Yeah. And yet we understand about hugs. And there's something, <clears throat> actually, um, a couple of years after Sheena was born in 84, um, they came out with the National Hug Day. Her birthday was on January 22nd, is on January 22nd. And it, they came out with the National Hug Day on January 21st of 1986. It was the first Give a Hug Day and you were supposed to hug people on January 21st uh, because that was sort of open season on hugs. And that sort of came about because of a, a psychologist, a family therapist by the name of Virginia Satir who was into family therapy and dynamics and she said, she came up with a, a thing that you need four hugs a day to survive. That's what she said, because they had done these uh, experiments with these little monkeys where they set them up in a little cage and they fed them food and water and they had this little wire thing, but it was just a, a, a wire looking like animal and it did not, wasn't live. And so <clears throat> that animal or that wire creature and they slowly just wouldn't thrive. Same family of monkeys, they put them with other monkeys that were embracing them and hugging them and, and so forth and while they were all fed the same, treated the same, no wild animals, the monkeys that were in uh, raised without touch 
were, of course, um, you know, didn't last very long. So Virginia Satir said you need four hugs a day to survive. You need eight uh, hugs a day just for uh, being, you know, maintenance, just, uh, so, you know, not just surviving, but to sort of uh, uh, thrive, if you will. And then 12 hugs a day was her magic number. And I, I, I don't know how she arrived at that. It was made for a good book and, and it started a movement of hug therapy and, and you'd go and pay somebody and they would give you a hug and, and that was all good. And, and you know, people uh, I'm sure were helped by uh, giving a hug. And I know I've seen people uh, even symbolically uh, when somebody is uh, speaking or having a hard time, somebody will go and stand by them, even if they don't hug them. Has anybody ever seen anybody do that? Just kind of like, I want to be there close to you. I just want to stand beside you. And maybe put my arm on your back or something. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like embracing. And when else do you hug? You know, you hug at, at special events, uh, weddings and and uh, birthday celebrations and going out to eat and then when somebody just newly arrives or when somebody's fixing to leave or at funerals, you know, we stand up and a lot of people will walk by and they will give a hug and they will hug and they will hug and, and you have a sense of going into a hospital or something and seeing somebody who's been injured or their family is there, and what is our first inclination is to do what? Give them a hug and put your arm around them and embrace them and say, we're praying for you or something. And I, I, I realize that, that hugging is a very powerful, powerful tool that can be utilized in so many ways and they're actually, all of those things that I mentioned are times of intense stress and emotional uh, times. And I, I have to confess, I watched uh, this week a little bit as I began to realize I didn't hug Caitlin enough because she and David are hugging a whole lot this week. <laughs> so I, I messed up because they were, you know, we'd have one little seat and they'd both be able to sit on it. And they, they just, it, uh, it's my bad. I was not a very good parent, obviously. There's, there's a deep-seated need for a lot of hugging. And I, I have to confess, I, I, I want, have been wanting to hug him all the time. I haven't, because he's already hugging somebody. <laughs> but uh, wanting to grab him and hug him, and because, of course, you know. And yet, oftentimes people don't realize that we can give God a hug. And God wants to give us a hug. David said in Psalms, the 73rd chapter, and I, for lack of time, I, I don't want to read the whole thing, but that's a great homework 
chapter for you to read is Psalm 73. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death but their strength is firm. In other words, when I look at other people and I compare and I think, what are they going through and what am I going through? I, you know, the wicked are not having struggles like I am and they're not being attacked and they're not going through it like I am. And it's easy, as David said, this, this powerful psalm, he said, they're making out, you know, and that's the danger of comparing yourself with anybody else, but that's a whole nother sermon. But the point is, he began looking around and he said, they are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. <clears throat> Therefore pride compasses them about as a chain. Violence covers them as a garment. You can read verse after verse and he goes on down and he said, behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They <clears throat> increase in riches and boy, and verily I have cleansed my heart in vain. He said, truly, I, I'm not gotten anything good out of trying to do right and live right and be right and go to church and give and be in. Now, I know you've never felt like David felt. But look at all of them, how good they're doing. And he says, for all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. He, because he says, I came into the presence of God and I felt the embrace of God. He says, my flesh and my heart fails, but God is the strength of my heart. Everybody say, the strength of my heart. That's your emotions. He said, God is there to help me through these emotional times. That's when we give hugs. Is in a strong emotional moment. Something traumatic, something, huh? That's when we have that natural tendency to put our arm around someone. Wow, they're, 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 they're going through it right now. Let me, huh? He said, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go uh, a whoring from thee. And then the last verse of this chapter, Psalm 73, 28. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust 
in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. What David was saying, it's good for me to try to run up and embrace God. And let me tell you, I believe that as we get nearer and nearer the coming of the Lord, we're going to need to give God a whole lot more hugs. Especially as you begin to look at others and what's going on in the world and what what others are doing and see, oh, you can say, I don't understand. I, you know, I thought if I was going to live for God, it was going to be great. It was going to be, and 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 Jesus actually spoke about this in Matthew the fifteenth chapter. He said, "This people draweth nigh unto me with their, and they honor me with their." But they're they're not emotional with me. I can come in, praise the Lord, hallelujah. I'm not talking about just going, hallelujah. I'm talking about giving God a hug. That's a whole different. I can say, hi, Brother Bill. Hi, Sister Denise. Hi, Brother Todd. I can, different if I'm up close and personal. Huh? You understand what I'm saying? He said there's a coming an hour in which people can talk a talk, speak a talk, but it's not. And he's quoting from Isaiah, the 29th chapter. And the reason that's important is Isaiah wrote about 100 years before the fall of uh, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, and all of that. Isaiah the prophet wrote, and and, and Isaiah said, Wherefore the Lord saith, For as much as this people draw near to me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart from me, and their fear toward me is taught, by the precept of men. In other words, they know how to be a Christian. They know how to, what to say, but they're not emotional. They're not giving God a hug. This is not personal. It's not up close and personal. And if we're going to make it in this hour, this is, you know, when we talk about, you know, how, what things are going through is that very sense of, Lord, I need your personal, I need personal audience time in the holy of holies. And, and that's why when you, when you read what James said, James said it like this, submit yourselves therefore to God, notice these words, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee to you from you. Then he puts this phrase in, draw nigh to God, and he will what? <clears throat> then he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts. You double-minded because in this hour, our emotions can get overwhelmed with what's going on. And 
we forget to give God a hug. I know. They didn't make it. I told them to stay in today, this morning. I know my daughter is an emotional wreck. Her husband is leaving the end of the week and they have no clue when he will get to see to come back. I can see at the verge of tears all the time. If you talk about what's going on next week. And you know what her answer to that has been? Get as close to him. Huh? Oh, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me. Draw nigh to God. Oh, pastor, what are you saying? I, I, I understand we can praise with our mouth. We can clap our hands. We can sing. But there's something that's supposed to be coming from our innermost being. I need to be in the presence of Almighty God. I need to be up close and personal with God. Oh, you say, well, how, how do I do that? I Reading his word and praying, praying through and talking to him, letting his word, prayer, listening to it, hearing it, having a moment when I am, I am in touch with it. You know when you're there and when you're just, now I lay me down to sleep. Right. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, one eats the fastest, gets the most, amen. Boom. I had no heart in it. Huh? You know what it is to get in his presence? Am I, doing, am I getting a, a real hug four times a day? Probably not. We probably need to work on that, honey. I don't know if I'm surviving. Grandkids will give me a hug eight times. I mean, now this was not me. This is Virginia. You can take it up with her. I, she's probably dead and gone by now. Isaiah said it like this. Behold, the days come that all that is in thy house, that which thy fathers have laid up in store until this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. Your sons, they're, they're going to be taken away and they're going to be made eunuchs. That meant that they were going to be actually physically altered to never be able to produce children. That your seed stops. And he goes on and on and on. And 80, 90 years later is when Habakkuk begins to see the Babylonians coming. They are slowly encroaching into Israel. They have taken the northern tribes and he recognizes Isaiah wrote about this years ago. Now, 
I know and you know that he is seeing prophecy being fulfilled. He's watching it and he writes his letter. Do you know what Habakkuk means? His parents, when he was born, why would you name a child Habakkuk? H-A-B-A-K-K-U-K. I mean, that just... But it means in the Hebrew to embrace, to hug. And Habakkuk, whose name means, you go to blue letter, put it on the first verse when he's talking, it means to embrace. He starts talking to God, writes three little chapters with, with two main questions, and I'll get into the whole dynamic, maybe on Wednesdays or whatever. I, I, I don't want to overwhelm you because I want to talk about giving God a hug. He talks about the burden in chapter 1. Short chapter, chapter 2, you can read it. He talks about the vision that God, he once has seen of God. And then he talks about basically as a third chapter is a prayer to God. It's all to God. It deals with nothing. He doesn't write it to the children of Israel. This is his personal response to God. And if there's ever a moment that you cannot survive this hour on just corporate church, this is the hour. You're going to have to have a personal relationship knowing how to embrace God. Habakkuk, one verse, Habakkuk, the second chapter and the fourth verse is the most quoted verse in the New Testament. It's the most quoted verse three times. You remember what it says? Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. It's what started the reformation of the church was the fact that that verse, the just shall live by his faith, started a whole breakaway from the Catholic Church was that one verse that was quoted three times in the New Testament because what it was saying is we don't have to have somebody go to God for me. I don't have to have a priest. I don't have to have that. I have can have a personal, intimate relationship with Almighty God. In fact, We know it was quoted in Romans. I can give you the other references. But why would it say the just shall live by his faith? When, if you read Habakkuk, he is lamenting what's going on. And I don't want to get into all that. But basically, he was saying, you're going to have to have faith in this hour if you're going to make it. Right. Now, we know without faith it is impossible to please God. That's New Testament. You know, faith cometh by what? Hearing, hearing by the word. word of God. We know all of those verses about faith. But sometimes we forget how faith works. And let me tell you how it works. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope 
of righteousness by faith. You have a, an emotional hope of righteousness by faith. All right? For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which works by... If you don't know how to love, your faith is ineffectual. That's why there are so many examples, and I, I don't want to get bogged down here, I, I know. But, you know, he would say, the Lord would say, you know, if I go, bless you, go and be warm, and I don't give you a coat, I'm not loving you enough. You, you, you see what I'm saying? But he said, faith which works by love. Faith is activated when you love. What are you saying? That, that somehow when you start hugging God and when you start embracing God and you start delving into his word and you start praying, all of a sudden, what's that doing? It's building up yourself on your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Getting in touch with Almighty God. Well, I'm going through it. It's this terrible time. Oh, I, every the bottom is dropping out. I don't know what's going on. It's time to give God a hug. It's time to give God an embrace. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to embrace you. You've got to draw nigh to him. Huh? Oh, but you don't understand. This is going on. This is a bad... Oh, this is horrible. This is why... God's ready. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. He said like a mother hen. Huh? You know how she would protect her young? She puts her feathers over them. He's ready. Come on. Run to me. Run to me. But what do we do? Oh. Oh, I, I can handle this. I'll do it. I'll take care of it. I don't want anybody to think. I, I don't want anybody to think the only reason I'm coming to God is because I need a hug. Well, bless your heart. You've missed the whole point of the hug. The reason God wants to hug you is because you're going through it right now. Oh, Pastor, you don't understand. After all these things, <laughs> Isaiah also said these words. He said in Isaiah 43, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, they shall not be burned, neither shall the flame be kindled upon you. Isaiah wrote about Babylon's coming, Babylon's coming. Let me tell you something. We have a great legacy church. And you've heard more sermons than I could ever preach in my lifetime about the end times and what it's going to mean in a cashless society, what's happening, huh? And how people are, I mean, going to go nuts and men and women and not figuring out. And the Bible's full of all that. And now we're here, folks. Yeah, absolutely. Now what are we going to do? Wring our hands or hug God? 
Habakkuk said, it's time to hug God right now. It's time to embrace God like we've never, hang on for dear life, because I don't know. And what are you saying? I'm saying he wrote that a hundred years before, not 80, 90 years before Habakkuk. Habakkuk wrote about the just shall live by his faith. And then about 10 or 15 years down the road, Babylon finally did overtake the land and conquered everything. And they were mean, they were cruel. They carried them off into captivity. And yet, there was a man praying in captivity. And do you know what he was praying for? Oh God, get me out of the lion's den. Oh, God, save me from Babylon. That's not what he was praying. In fact, it's an amazing story because his prayer got him in the lion's den. Most of the time, I'm praying, God, get me out of the den. Huh? Lord, take me out of what I'm going through. I don't want to go through what I'm going through. Huh? I'm, I'm just being honest. Most of the time, I'm not just praying three times a day just to embrace God. But Daniel was, you know what? I'm getting back in the presence of God. Even if it gets cost me the lion's den, it doesn't matter. Three Hebrew boys, they were, they were there. Go ahead, last slide. Sorry, I, I know my time. Put it up there for me. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know the answer. Here they were embracing God. They were embracing God in a foreign land that had no understanding of who their God was, that had no respect to him, that didn't. Now, they were, it's always, Daniel and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego always blow my mind because there is no evidence in their lives that God would deliver. None. They had watched the Babylonian army encroach upon them and then capture them. And yet one prophet said, the just shall live by his faith. Habakkuk, embrace God, embrace God. They get captured, they get taken into captivity. And what should be their response? Well, God, you didn't answer like I said. I'm going to give you the cold shoulder now. I'm not going to come. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to read the Bible. I, 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 I did all that before. And you know what? Didn't get, look, look what it got me. Huh? Don't hug me now, God. Huh? I've seen people where they say, but you know what da Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego did? Oh, let me get near God. And when the king came to him and said, Fellas, we're going to heat this up seven times hotter. You know what their response was? I put it up here, but all of you are Bible scholars and you know it. 
amazing God, we have not seen any evidence of his deliverance. Our houses were burned. Our families were killed. My family was slaughtered. There's been nothing good that I could point to and say, look, that's a good thing God did. Most of us have had a whole lot more good happen to us than Meshach, Shadrach, Amen. and Abednego. But you know what? Because they had embraced him, their faith was as strong as it could have ever been. They were full of faith. You know what they said? Oh, king, <laughs> we are not careful to answer you in this matter. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. <laughs> and one way or another, he's going to deliver me out of your hand, O oh king. If I die, I'm going to see the Lord. If I live, you can't touch me. <laughs> what do you say? In this, they had so much faith in God that he said, if not, we will not serve your gods. We will not worship the golden image, which is, oh, what are you talking about? I'm full of faith. I, these young folks, they, we talked about it in AYC to see the glory. I want them to get so full of faith and embracing God that they're just, doesn't matter what comes their way, they're able to say, let me tell you, as for me, I've got a relationship with Almighty God. I'll give God a hug. I don't care what anybody else does. A hug is personal between me and God. I know every once in a while we, we do. Come, come on, God. Let's hug. We, we do group hugs. You, you ever had? That's not the same. Huh? I, I'm so thankful for the group hugs. I'm glad when we come to church and do a, a little group huggy. But in this hour, we got to have a personal, intimate hug with God. And I want to tell you, only you and God. But it's the kind of thing that'll inspire faith because faith works by love. When you feel the love of God, you'll realize I don't 